0: Amen, amen, well God bless you, you can be seated, it's a beautiful time worshiping, we wanted to strip things down and create a moment where you can just feel the heart of God, there's something beautiful when it's the piano and uh, you know, you don't have the drums and it's great, we love to change things up and, and just create different moments for you to encounter God, you guys doing good this morning, you happy to be here? at church? Well, I believe that God wants to speak to you. We're in a series on our second week on the path to holiness. Last week, we looked at what it meant to kill some things in our life that we know as followers of Jesus. There's things that have to die. There's things that can't, we can't coexist with. There's sin. There's old ways of life. There's old habits. The old man, when we're raised to life with Christ, when we have the power and, G- and the Holy Spirit has given us authority, when we step into new life to kill some things in our life. So it's time to wield the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and say some things have to die. Did anyone kill anything this week? Any, the Holy Spirit, reveal anything in your life, and you took the authority that the Holy Spirit gave you. You killed it, and you're going to begin to see things begin to change. The heart of God is for you to experience his fullness, is to experience his heart. As I said before, he is not Zeus in heaven. He is not waiting for you to mess up so he can punish you, so he can discipline you. His heart is to draw you in into his holiness. And when you experience his holiness, everything about you changes, your world changes, and his power is put within you. He's just not the spirit, but he's the Holy Spirit. And His holiness is the game changer that the church needs in the world today. The, holiness is what gives us power. Holiness is where miracles can happen. Holiness is where you can lead in your families. Holiness is where you can love the way Jesus calls us to love. And it's not by just talking about holiness, not by just reading something about holiness. Here's what we need to know about holiness. Is holiness... Isn't an idea. It's just not a scripture we read. Holiness is a person. And that person is Jesus. And that's who we pursue. As I've said last week, holiness can be taken way out of context. It can be preached as sinners in the hands of an angry God. And, and we get just a wrong viewpoint of God's heart for us to be holy. Holy isn't something that's forced upon us. It's a decision we make to inch and take steps closer to God. And as we do, His heart becomes clearer and clearer. You know, there's things that we read in the Word of God that sometimes just strike you. There's things that even Jesus says that it says, let me back up a second and just really look at that again. Anybody ever read anything Jesus says? You're like, okay, Jesus, I want to be that, but that's going to take some time to get that working and flowing in my life. You read the Beatitudes and you'll see how it's, salvation is a lifelong process and a journey to get his heart and his kingdom within us. And so we see some uh, things that have always struck me that Jesus says, and you can go and read it in John chapter 6, verse 60. But Jesus has a statement that those that don't eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, they won't have any life within them. Now you go and you read the context of that. The disciples and the crowds that were around him didn't quite know how to take that. One, probably because, okay, is that physically what we're supposed to do? And two, you know, the deeper meaning of that, that's a tough thing to swallow. Now, if you go and you read the stories in the Gospels before, you see how Jesus multiplied the fish and the loaves. And Jesus would do miracles to meet physical needs. So word would spread that, hey, if we go to these Jesus gatherings, we can get our meal ticket for the day. So Jesus would attract groups of people simply to see what Jesus could give them. And I think... In the church today, when we step foot into church or when we have our mindset of church, we can never go to Jesus simply by just what he can give us or looking for a handout. But Jesus was confronting this type of people that were simply following him from uh, church to church or from place to place, looking to see what they could just get from him. But Jesus wanted to go a step deeper. And so, look, when he said this statement, you can read it in verse 66 behind me. It says, from that time, many of the, st- the disciples went back and walked with him no more. They didn't want it. They couldn't take it. They were like, Jesus, we're, we're out. We're not all in. And look what he says in verse 67. He goes and he looks at his 12. And this is what we see. I love about Jesus. He said, then Jesus said to the 12, do you also want to go? Jesus was a person that never watered down the message. He never ran after people. Oh my gosh, you're offended. Come here, let me... Coddle you and hug you. He went and he looked at the 12 and said, is this too tough for you? Do you wanna go as well? The heart of Jesus is no compromise. He doesn't compromise the message because he knows if he does, that's where you lose the power. But if you pursue Jesus in all he is, you know, there's a saying known as cafeteria Christianity, right? Where sometimes on subjects like holiness, it's tough to understand. We've tried it, and sometimes we feel like every time I try to do something right, I make a life change, I fail. So I just kind of scratch that part of who Jesus is. But the thing is, when we look at these hard sayings, these hard truths that Jesus says, it should put something within us to say, okay, if Jesus says it, then we can do it because he's the giver of it. And he's the way, the truth, and the life. I want you to write this down. You know, this is the world's viewpoint on truth. As I said last week, there's certain things we can't coexist with. So when you start touching on sin, the world doesn't want to hear that they have to break that off of their life. So this is what we have to recognize, is that the truth sounds like hate to those who hate truth. The truth sounds like hate to those who hate truth. Now, all of us here, we don't hate the truth. We embrace the truth. But there's those who don't get Jesus. They think he's just this religious leader that's trying to cram their style, that's trying to cramp their style, that's trying to box them in, that's trying to say, man, if I pursue holiness, then I have to walk around with the Bible in front of me or I have, when I go up to people to try to talk holiness, I'm hitting them with the Bible, I'm hitting them with the scripture. There's no love behind it. Holiness has been so represented in our world today with no love behind it. And that's why we see the effects of it not in its fullness. As I said last week, my heart for you is nothing but love and respect. And I want to see us be the church that Jesus talks of in Revelation. When the angels come to worship Jesus, they say, holy, holy, holy. Jesus is coming for a holy bride, a pure and spotless bride. And he gives us this time on earth to pursue him in his fullness and embrace holiness and put on the garments of holiness and throw off the garments that the world says we should wear. Because here's another truth of holiness. When we embrace holiness and begin to put off the ways of the flesh, we become truly who we were created to be. And the enemy knows that. So he wants to put things, fancies, distractions, uh, uh, worldly pursuits in front of us to throw us off from who you were created to be. And so when you start to see it and get in a mindset of that, I'm in a spiritual battle. And it's not that these commands are burdensome, but if I can begin to tack it, to kill things, to make the break is what we're talking this morning. Every decision we make in our life, we have to evaluate it and say, I'm going, to break. I'm going to break from the world and I'm going to pursue the spirit of God in this situation. So we see even Jesus talks of in John chapter 17, he warns the apostles and he warns you and I that when you follow Jesus, salvation is free, but following Jesus will cost you something. I think that's a lost message in the world today. Yes, salvation is free, but following Jesus will cost you something. Following Jesus isn't reading self help things. Those things are good and they encourage. But at the end of the day, in order for transformation, it always comes through a cross. And the cost of it is laying your life down in humility because holiness is only acquired through humility. If you're willing to bow before God and say, Holy Spirit, here I am, I repent of this, you watch. When you approach God in a spirit of humility, how you can sense the spirit of God and what it begins to do in your heart and how it begins to soften you. And so we see Jesus say here that I have given them your word in John 17, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. And so we see that when we're pursuing holiness, we're not saying, okay, Jesus, I'm gonna lock myself away from anyone. I'm not gonna to talk to anyone who doesn't think the same way I am. I'm gonna work in a place where I'm only around Christians. He's saying, I need you to step out for a minute. I need to transform your thinking, your motives, your worldview, the way you view the world. That's what I wanna change. And then I wanna put you back in to then and go change the world. Holiness is what changes you, then you can go and help change those around you. It's not the opposite where we just lock ourselves up and we just, it's me and Jesus all day. It's good and we need that, but you got to see the purpose behind it. Isaiah 2.3 speaks of this. It says that many people shall come and say, come and let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways and we shall walk in his paths our heart is that we ascend the hill of the Lord. This journey, this life, our purpose here on earth is to constantly be ascending toward God. There's an early church father, a book I've been reading that's been blessing me, and it's called The Ladder of Divine Ascension. And he also wrote a book called The 30 Steps to Heaven, that there's principles and there's attitudes that through this life we're to take hold of, and it's to make us like Jesus. Because here's the thing, when we stand at the judgment seat of Christ, We want Jesus to see, basically put a mirror upon Jesus where he sees himself. And that takes a lifelong process of becoming like Jesus. And so there's certain things we see in God's word. That's why he gives us the blueprint of how we take hold of the heart of God and how we're to be imitators of Christ. So Isaiah is saying we're to climb the mountain of God. We're to climb the ladder of God and become like him. You know, another hard statement that Jesus says that Sins, Christians, and sins, people running is found in Luke 9 23, and we know it. It says, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Yeah. Come on, that's a bestseller book right there Deny yourself. Right. Right. And take up his cross daily and follow me. So, the heart of the gospel is that we deny ourselves. We don't like denying ourselves, do we? I know I have a hard time denying myself. Our culture screams, everything opposite of deny yourself. What culture screams is indulge yourself, buy this, do this, get this, you need this. But the way of the cross is that we have a mindset and an attitude of denial, of not indulging. You know, we have to understand too, uh, I came across this new wave of of vegans that are emerging in the West. Now, if you know anything about a vegan, anybody vegan in here, I don't want to offend you, we love you. Um, God bless you. Pray for strength for me that I could eat the way you can. So obviously a vegan, you make certain lifestyle choices. I'm not going to eat meat and fish and dairy. We're going to focus on fruits and vegetables, all these great uh, healthy lifestyle options. Now we see this group emerging in America and they want to be vegan, but they don't want to be kind of all in vegan like Delachey is. Uh, what they, what they say is that they started getting in a war with the vegans where they said, now, okay, listen, if we are invited over to someone's house and they cook a, a steak and, and potato and, you know, all these things, we, sh- we don't want to offend them. We want to be able to eat the meat because we were invited there. It also says, you know, if, if we have this desire to have meat, why can't we say we, we want meat as well? And so the vegans and this new-age vegans, the vegans wanted to hold true to what they believe and what they love and how they eat, and they didn't want to embrace this new group. So this new group break, uh, breached off, and they labeled themselves, you'll love this, as flexitarians. That's what they called themselves, where if the, if the desire and the urge to eat meat comes, they can. It's like, what is that? But you know what? We can take that same attitude and say, there's a lot of flexitarian Christians in the world today who call themselves Christians, but they just kind of pick and choose, or if, hey, if this feels good, God wants me to feel good, he gets it. But we see that what the cross says, it says that we have to deny our flesh. And that's what we have to ask ourselves this morning. Does following Jesus cost you anything? If I look at my relationship with God, And if everything's easy greasy and smooth, I usually look around and say, I'm probably doing something wrong. Because there is a struggle in Christianity that the modern Western church in America, we get this mindset that if I'm in a struggle or if I'm going through something tough, one, either God's mad at me and he's trying to punish me, or two, I just need to start praying in a way. I need to start binding and loosening. Yes, that's a part of it. But sometimes in the struggle, is what, where we learn and where we grow the most. Right. Anybody ever been in the struggle before? Right. Right. That's where your faith is tested. Hebrews right. talks about a refining fire. Man, when you're in that refining fire, that's when the flesh begins to be put in its right place and your spirit comes alive. Right. And so the followers of, of Jesus is he's building disciples. And, and what we need to know about Jesus too is that he was not in the business of building fans. He was in the business of building followers. It's easy to be a fan of Jesus. It's easy to go worship Jesus at a concert and then go home, live like you want Monday through Saturday. We're not Sunday Christians. We don't come to church to check a box off. We live a lifestyle. We follow him wherever he takes us, wherever we go. We see the word of God and that is our guide. Holiness is saying, Jesus, you are my first priority and everything else rests under that. And if you're not my first priority, then I need to look at my life and put you as Lord of my life and where you rightfully stand. And the enemy knows that if that Jesus is here, then that's where his power, everything else begins to operate in your life. Here's the thing else as Christians we have to be aware of. How far will you follow Jesus, you have to ask yourself. We love following Jesus when we see the benefits, we see him blessing our lives, we see financially we're good, relationally we're good, no fights in the marriage, kids are good. But man, when some of those benefits dry up or you get put in a rough season, where's your faith then? So we want to follow Jesus when we don't see him moving in our lives or we don't see the benefits happening. There's this story that caught my attention. And in the late, I want to tell it to you, in the late 1940s, the U.S. issued a man by the name of William Francis Gibbs. And he was given a budget of $80 million to construct this massive warship for the Navy. Some statistics about the ship. This ship would hold over 15,000 troops. It would house helicopters, tanks, machinery. It could hold jets. And this, the purpose of this ship was to deploy soldiers into war. It was constructed like... Nothing else anyone had ever seen. It was constructed in a way where it could sail up to 10,000 miles with uh, with not having to reload cargo or reload fuel. And so it was an amazing thing that was created to prevent war. If war happened, we would be ready, and this ship could house and be a sign of power for our country. Now, what's amazing about the story, and this is where it caught my attention, is over time, War had ceased. There wasn't any battles going on. And so someone had the idea, let's transform this ship into a luxury cruise line. And so we see the problem begin to take place. And look, this this ship became a luxury cruise line for 17 years. It would house presidents, heads of states. It would have 695 rooms in it. It had 19 elevators were installed in it, five swimming pools, three bars, two movie theaters. This place was amazing, and this was the talk of the town. If you wanted to be someone or, or experience top luxury of its time, you would go and get a ticket for this cruise line. You know, I think that's what we can look at the American Western church and say, where has the edge of the church gone? Has it become a place of just entertain me I come to church, I sip my coffee, and I just hear a good word, and I leave, and I never change. We see the purpose of this ship that was meant to go into war to deploy soldiers become a place of luxury and entertainment. I'm telling you, we always have to check ourselves and make sure what Jesus are we pursuing, how far are we willing To follow Jesus. Are we going just after his benefits and what he can do for us? Or are we pursuing his heart? Intimacy, holiness. You know, we also live in an age that is full of information. All of us have a computer that's more powerful than what sent a man to the moon in our pockets. And sometimes, you know, we can get on Twitter. We can read all these tweets about Jesus. We can uh, uh, pursue and look all these information, articles. But we can't substitute information for intimacy. Information does not equal intimacy with God. And that's something we got to be aware of. I'm telling you, the truth can set you free. We want to hit the target when we follow Jesus. And we want to follow the Jesus we see in the New Testament. Why? Because we see in Matthew chapter 7. You know this if you've been here for any time. Jesus says that wide is the gate that leads to destruction, but narrow is the gate that leads to life, and few there be it that find it. We want to be a church. We want to be a body that pursues the narrow path, that's willing to wrestle with truth, that's willing not to just come to church to feel better, but actually be transformed and be made like Jesus. I'm telling you, there's power when you make the break from the world and you say, Jesus, I'm following you with everything that you are. Now again, you have to know the heart of God through this because his heart, he loves you and he's drawing you by his love and by his mercy and by his compassion. He's not mad at you and he doesn't want to punish you. Sometimes we're afraid to get close to God because we're afraid we'll, we'll, we won't please him. He'll see our junk, he'll see our stuff, he'll be mad at us or he won't accept us. That's a lie. He accepts us right where we're at Loves us enough to change us and to get us out of our mess and to get us out of our pits. There's a couple things in the book I was telling you about that shares of this of how we're to climb this ladder, the first steps that we're to make. Number one is to renounce the world. At some point in our lives, and we have to make daily decision that we, in order to make the break, we have to renounce the ways of the world. And what it says is, and again, holiness has been lied about and misrepresented, but it's saying, I'm leaving what is good. I'm leaving what good I can come up in my mind or what business I think I can pursue or what relationship I think is right for my life. I'm pursuing Jesus. And I know when I pursue Jesus and everything that he is, I'm going to see his best begin to be deposited and aligned in my life. So we have to renounce the world. You see, and you go and you read accounts of, of early believers and these early Christians who were being baptized, literally because Christianity was so persecuted. Imagine if we lived in a time like this where they, the pastors or priests would set Christians down and say, okay, I'm going to be up front with you. You realize by you confessing Christ, by you saying, I'm going to follow Jesus, your family could disown you. There could be people that could show up at your door with... Knives and and weapons willing to cut your head off? You know, there's places we we know in the world today where where Christianity is hostile to the government or Christianity, it just doesn't fit, so they have to worship underground. Imagine if we couldn't come together and worship. We're very blessed and we're very free. And so these early believers, when they would be baptized, they would give this renunciation of the things of the world. They would... Um, they would come up against their flesh and they would say, we, we're not going to follow our flesh or our desires. We're going to follow the spirit of God. It was a very surreal moment where they put the old man in its rightful place. And when they came up out of that water, they were ready to experience the new life that Christ had for them. Again, when we renounce the world, God gives us a renewed vision of what our purpose here on earth is all about. And how we're to deal with the world. He wants us to be blessed. He wants us to have jobs. He wants you to prosper, but not thinking in the same mind that the world does. He wants to put his kingdom within you. The the disciples and those that follow Jesus in the early days, they wanted to see something like the Roman government. They wanted to take hold of everything by government and by law and by rule. But he's saying, no, no, that's not how it's going to happen. I'm going to put my spirit, I'm going to put my kingdom within you, and out of that, you will change, and the world around you will change. So I want to look at some how-tos of holiness, of how we begin to take a step in the right direction. Last week, we read in Colossians 3, 5, that we're to what? To mortify, to kill the desires of the flesh. I want to read this to you. This is uh, going on in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. And it says, now that you've renounced the world, now that you've said, I'm gonna follow Jesus with everything I am, here's the garment of holiness that we're to begin to put on. Look what it says. It says, so as God's own chosen people who are holy, and it defines holiness, set apart, sanctified for his purpose. That is you and this is your promise and this is your calling. And well-beloved by God himself, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, which has the power of, to endure whatever injustice or unpleasantness comes with good temper. How many of you want to be able to have the temper of the Holy Spirit where when you feel you're done wrong, when you want to let loose, you can say, no, I have this garment of holiness that's going to keep me from making a stupid decision or that's going to keep me from spewing crap out of my mouth. It's okay if I say the C word this morning. It says, look what it says. It says, bearing graciously with one another and willingly forgive each other if one has a cause for complaint against another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so should you forgive. Beyond all these things, put on and wrap yourself in unselfish love, which is the perfect bond of unity for everything is bound together in agreement with each, when each one seeks the best for others. You have to know, with, again, with holiness, it only comes through humility. When you begin to walk in holiness, you begin looking out for the interest of others and not yourself all the time. Mm-hmm. The American dream and Jesus, there's some contrast that we have to know. The American dream says, get what you, what you can, step on who you need to to, to get it. Yes. But Jesus says something completely different. Jesus didn't die to make everyone Americans. We know that as well. He died to put the kingdom of God into people. And again, it comes through humility. Verse 15 says, let the peace of Christ the inner calm of the one who walks daily with him. Be the controlling factor in your hearts, deciding and settling questions that arise. To this peace indeed, you were called as members in one body of believers and be thankful to God always. Let the spoken word of Christ have its home within you, dwelling in your heart and mind, permeating every aspect of your when, being. When the holiness of God falls in you, it's the fire of God and it permeates anything that's not like him in your life. And it says this power This permeation will give you what you need to train and to teach as you sing psalms and hymns and have a heart of thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do, no matter what it is in word or deed, do everything in the name of Jesus and independence on Him, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. As the ladies come, I want to take here in a moment and have a moment where we just allow this to become real. But number two, quickly, as we're pursuing holiness, is there has to be a detachment Again, God isn't against you having things. He is against those things having you. You have to evaluate yourself. Am I attached? What am I attached to? You know how we know if we're attached? If it's all stripped away, will your heart go with it? That's how you know if you're attached to something. When if it's all stripped away, is your heart going with it? Quickly, I want to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Is Paul talking to this Corinthian church, urging them to be holy, urging them to renounce and to detach the methods and the way the world operates, but to be renewed? It says in verse 12 that you are not restricted by us. So he's saying this message of holiness is not meant to restrict you, and you need to catch this because this is what it's all about. But it says you are restricting yourself by your own affections. So when we're walking, and we're dabbling, and we're not dealing with sin issues in our life, we're not dealing when the flesh wants to rise up, those affections are what keep us from becoming truly human, are what keep us from fulfilling what God has for our life. God is not saying, I'm not trying to to cramp your style, I'm not trying to put you in a box, I'm trying to set you free so that you can become all that I have for you, so that you can experience the inheritance that he has. So Paul is setting that up clear. Holiness does not bind you, it sets you free. It says, don't be an equally yoked together with unbelievers or the mindsets of the world. For what fellowship has righteousness and lawlessness, light and darkness, Christ and Satan? And it says in 16, in what agreement has the temple of God, which is you and I, with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. And hear what God says to you right now, this morning. It says, I will dwell in you, and I will walk with you. I will be your God, and you shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them. Do you hear that this morning? When you embrace holiness, you come out from the things that keep you bound. And it says, be separate, says the Lord. Don't touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. And here's the promise. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. He ends it in 2 Corinthians 7, 1 on urging them to pursue holiness. He says, therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. There's power when you make decisions and when you self-check and you say, I want to cleanse myself from any filthiness. I want to make sure that there's nothing that's grieving the Holy Spirit. A commentary says it this way in the word filthiness. It says, an escape from filthiness requires more than thinking repentant thoughts. For we are enlisted in a spiritual war zone, entrenched in patterns of sin that can become habitual. You know, there's patterns of sin in our life that when we just are walking and and going can be overrided and we don't even realize we're sinning. We're just habitually doing it. So it's addressing this, that there might be areas of our life where we don't realize we're in sin. But that if we allow the Holy Spirit to open us up, that we can be set free. It says to cleanse ourselves means that by the promises of God, we, and hear this, we embark on a sustained struggle for holiness. When you signed up to follow Jesus, you're saying, I am choosing to be in a sustained struggle for holiness. Holiness just doesn't happen. It takes decisions. It takes choices. It takes killing things. It takes breaking away from things. But I'm telling you, when you do, it is the greatest decision you'll ever make. It is the adventure of a lifetime because you are becoming who God has called you to be. You are experiencing everything of who he is. After Easter comes the Holy Spirit and he's the one who makes it all possible. When you experience resurrection power within you and you see that I don't have to stay in my pit. I don't have to stay bound to this addiction. I don't have to deal with this drug or with this drink. I can be set free. So many Christians live defeated because they don't know how to get set free because we try by our power and by our might, but it's by his spirit. We read last week in Romans that when we put off the ways of the flesh, it's through his spirit that we begin to get holiness within us and get the heart of God. I'm telling you, I want you to come on the journey and embark, climb the mountain of the Lord. Don't be, do not settle, settle for more, settle for all of who he is, don't just pick through the word of God. Embrace some of these tough things because it's in this truth that you truly can be set free. Paul pleads with us. I plea with you. I plea with myself. Pursue it with everything you are and watch as everything in your life change and watch as the Holy Spirit goes to work and you just see him and you just begin shouting and dancing and you you don't know how to take it because you are changing And you are seeing things that have been so attached to you for years begin to leave. I'm telling you, holiness is the most fulfilling thing you will ever experience. It doesn't leave your your tongue dry. It doesn't leave you flavorless. It puts so much flavor in your life. It puts such a witness in your life that the Spirit of God is just all over you. But you have to make the choice. You have to choose to kill it. You have to choose to make the break. You have to evaluate, where's Jesus in my list of things? Is he just a Sunday deal or is he my everything? Will I follow him wherever he takes me? I want you to stand to your feet this morning. I want to declare this over our lives that we're not going to struggle in our flesh. We're not going to struggle in our power, but we're going to struggle toward holiness. And it's going to be by the spirit of God that you're going to see things change, that you're going to experience the heart of Abba Father, a God who loves you and cares about you enough to tell you that if you go after holiness It will change you. I'm giving you holiness, not for me. I'm giving it for you so that you can experience all you were created to be. And out of it, your life pleases God. Out of it, power is put into your life. I want you to lift your hands right now. I want to pray for you. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're the one who makes us holy. We thank you that holiness is a person and that person is Jesus. We want every part of who he is in our lives. We want the Holy Spirit to empower us to get flesh off of us, to get affections and desires and fancies and passions that pull us away from the Spirit of God. I thank you that this is a church that when Jesus comes, that we would be a pure and spotless bride, that we're a church that's going to choose to go down the narrow path. It might not be popular. It might offend people. People might want to leave. But we want the path you're on, Jesus. We're not going to make a man-made path, but we're going to pursue the ancient path, the one that you laid forth, Father, we will follow you wherever you take us. I thank you that there's freedom in the house right now. I thank you that in this room, addictions on the mind can break. I thank you that a spirit of poverty can leave, a spirit of lack can leave in how we see life. I thank you, Jesus, that you can come right now and you can heal our physical bodies. I thank you that when holiness is all about us, the fire of God puts within us and the Holy Spirit can just do whatever he wants to do. Right now, with our hands lifted, we make space for the Holy Spirit to come and have His way. And we declare right now, it's not by might, it's not by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. Do a work in us here and now. Let us not leave here the same. Let us leave here changed as we confess this over our life. Allow the holiness of the Holy Spirit to dwell within us. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs)